Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is on the phone lines with me. You can always read our stuff at themichiganinsider.com and 247sports.com slash Michigan. They go to the same spot. Uh, Check out our stories. Lots of stuff going on. We're finally inching back into... Uh, the the realm of relevancy in regards to the to the football team, i.e., I, I, when I write stuff, it actually uh, there there are quotes behind it that are recent, and there's there's people talking about things. There's things happening. Practice starts tomorrow, and we'll talk a little bit about fall camp and a little bit about about some team stuff in the back half of this episode. But and and Steve, I'll, I'll want to hear your thoughts in just a moment with the Urban Meyer news. I mean, as you said right before we started the show, two, three days ago, I don't think anyone thought we would be here, right? Because there was the whole deal with Zach Smith uh, being fired once the once Brett McMurphy kind of broke the news that there was another incident in 2015. Uh, once there was this deal about him violating the restraining order this this spring, I believe. And so, so we, you know, there was there was that whole deal, and he was asked about it at, at Big Ten Media Days. But I don't think anyone knew this was coming. In which there were there were text messages released uh, by McMurphy detailing that it's it, heavily implying that Urban Meyer knew about the 2015 incident and thus did not fire him, which is a a Title IX violation uh, when you hear or see something that suggests that sexual assault or domestic violence has occurred, you are legally obligated uh, working at these public universities to report it. And so without the evidence, I mean, you know, so basically uh, I think the big mystery is what exactly Urban Meyer knew, how that went down. There's there's evidence that Shelley Meyer knew because Courtney Smith, Zach Smith's ex-wife, uh, the the victim here, had been texting with Shelly Meyer, and Shelly Meyer had said, "I think I, I think I'm going to have to tell Urban." And and then there were some texts from, oh, the last name escapes me, uh, but the director of player personnel or director of operations for Ohio State, his wife Lindsay was texting with Courtney, and basically said, uh-huh, "Pantoni, Pantoni, yeah, Pantoni, thank you, yeah," and and saying that uh, Urban, that Zach had denied everything to Urban. And that there was, and that Urban was conflicted. He didn't know what to think. And so both of those, to to, to in my opinion, imply that he knew. They don't say that he knew. Uh, I think that is, as much as that's that's kind of an annoying part of some of these situations. Uh, you know, you can't say he knew until until there's some evidence. But obviously, Ohio State thinks that there's something going on here uh, because they have put Meyer on admit, paid administrative leave. They start fall camp, I think Saturday, sometime this week. If they haven't started already, it'll be in the next couple of days. And and it's it's one of those things where I mean I don't know what you've heard, Steve, or or you know I've been following some of the Ohio State writers, and there is a sense that he he might not come out of this because again, if he if he knew and didn't fire Smith and didn't uh, do anything. I mean that's that's a severe violation, and that's that's basically Urban Meyer. You know, again, if if this is if the if there's evidence that he knew and didn't do anything, that's putting someone's life in danger. You know, and so 
So, you know, I I know Michigan fans have their have their opinions about Ohio State, but this is obviously a lot bigger than that. I, and Steve, I guess when you saw it unfold yesterday cuz we'd heard about some of this stuff before uh in, in regard, you know, Zach Smith was fired. We've you know, the the court cases had been reported before. But when you heard about this yesterday, I guess what were your initial reactions? Uh, I mean, the first, I mean, the first thing to me is, I'll be honest, like, I guess we can call a spade a spade with Zach Smith no longer being on the Ohio State staff and say, I, I just think it'd be, it's surprising that Meyer would potentially latch his wagon to an assistant coach that I've always felt like is incredibly underwhelming uh, when you consider the amount of talent that Ohio State has recruited at the wide receiver position. Um for a program that's played as well and had as many great players move on to the NFL as Ohio State has, I always feel like that their wide receiver position has by and large been very underwhelming uh, when it comes to, I mean, really production in college. And then, I mean, outside of Michael Thomas, I mean, you can think of guys like Jalen Marshall and Devin Smith. And uh, I mean, I feel like the list is longer uh, of guys who've never really uh, reach their potential or whatever. So I, I think it's just a potentially horrible mistake on Meyer's part. To yeah. Kind of go down with the ship with, for a guy like Zach Smith of all people. Um, who I don't know about you. I had heard from people who cover Ohio state or around the program that he was, he was actually very, there were, you were not the only person who thought he was underwhelming. And there were people within the program who did. And he, obviously, for those that don't know, he is Earl Bruce's grandson. Earl Bruce was Urban Meyer's mentor. So Zach Smith and Urban Meyer first uh, started working together in 2009 or around then. There was a domestic violence incident there, but Urban Meyer gave him a second chance there and hired him with him to Ohio State in 2012. And and he was, before he was let go, he was the longest-serving assistant coach. So it's not just, you know, latching on or or liking him more than maybe other people. I mean this this is a this is a next level commitment to Zach Smith that as you said could be a really critical mistake. Right. I mean Johnny Dixon underwhelming. I'm just going through the list here. It's just to me it's just like I feel like you're a guy like that if he was even going down that road uh is running you're just is is it really worth the risk you know or uh, Alex Stump transferred uh like I said Michael Thomas really the one guy that's was a star in college and is a star Jalen Marshall huge bust um I'm going down the list here but probably James Clark I don't even know if he finished at Ohio State you know so anyway um I mean it's a it's a sad situation no matter how you cut it um, you know, covering recruiting, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, here's, you know, like the hits. So, you know, the, one of the things you're seeing a lot of is the history at Florida being kind of dug back right. up and, right. um, it's hard to deny that there is a clear pattern of when at all costs. Um, I think, I guess I think I'd be remiss if I didn't feel like it's important it's improved at Ohio state. I think that's for, fair com, compared to what it, the way he seemed to run the program down in Florida. 
uh, but there have still been kind of incidents that have popped up here and there. Um, I mean, are we, we're giving Carlos Hyde the benefit of the doubt that he missed hitting a woman. I mean, that's really the only reason he wasn't. Yeah. He was only, he, yeah. You know what I mean? Like he definitely, like I remember the, when that story came out, the video, you know, they had the video and it was basically, he just didn't connect uh, with the uh, victim or that with the woman there. Uh, and was Which only, is a real was, crappy excuse to like well, agree, not agree. suspend or kick someone off a team. Well, <laughs> and if you, if you remember, he was suspended for three inconsequential games, if I recall correctly, that okay. three games against nobodies um, came back and I believe that was was that the season that Ohio State won it all. Was he the? It was either the season that season or the season after. Uh, but either way, um, you know, came back and you know, was one of the best players in the country. And, uh, you know, so there's been incidents that have popped up at Ohio State. Um, I know I've heard some recruiting stories too. Nothing I'm going to get into detail, but just uh, just kind of the players, a lot of instances, not a lot, but a couple major instances of the players on the team basically just kind of getting to do what they want. Uh, not saying that doesn't happen. I'm sure that happens. That is important to acknowledge, I think, there are right. a lot of programs where that happens. Hundred yeah. percent. This isn't this isn't a, a pile on Ohio State thing. I promise, because this is the type of stuff that it's just um, you know a, a major incident like this pops up and you kind of those kind of things pop back up in your head. You know, you remember some things. So um, you know, but it is. I mean, you, you have families and and prospects who invest in these coaches and their visions and. Um, for some of them, I, I would imagine there's maybe some disappointment that it's not maybe all that it was cracked up to be necessarily, uh, you know, so that's kind of one of the things I think, uh, you know, but again, I, I think more than anything, really too, that, and I'm not trying to be Johnny Morals here at all, it's really not my thing, but you do hope that the truth is what comes out here, um, mm-hmm. it, regardless of what it is, uh, that the truth is uncovered. Um, and, and I do agree that I'm one of those, I agree that, uh, that Ohio state should truly do its due diligence and not fall victim to the Twitter mob, uh, or the mob mentality that kind of happens when these stories come out. Right. Uh, you know, and that's, I think that's important too. Cause I, I have a sense that they will, they will find every single, I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, I mean, we'd also be lying if it, in a way it wasn't. I mean, they would. I'm assuming they're digging and investigating, by, and hoping that they don't uncover anything, right? I, mean, I was going to say they're going to try to find every reason that, yeah. right? You know, so, um, so there's that angle of it too. But yeah, I mean, it just uh, it, it stinks that these types of stories just keep popping up across the country. I guess, but it's at the same time, I guess it's not the worst thing that they're popping up now. When you feel like maybe 10, 15 years ago, they wouldn't even be popping up at all. They well, just happen. Yeah programs would just be run the way or however you know and uh so there's that I and that, that is relevant right like and and i think uh brenda tracy who i believe is speaking at michigan this week today yeah today's the, today's the second right yeah yeah that was ironic i mean that was she had tweeted that before any of this came out too mm-hmm. so um but, but good on michigan to have her on campus and and to speak, you know. Well, I was wondering when she'd come because she'd she'd actually been to Ohio State and she'd been to Michigan State. Okay. And okay. and and pretty much most schools. So 
Uh, yeah, not a not an intentional thing that it happened today. But she she had a tweet that resonated with me, basically saying like, if you're a coach and you don't have everything in order, uh, you should fix it right now because you know you can't bury it under the rug, you can't uh, you can't undermine it, you can't dismiss these sorts of situations, and and it's to the point now. I mean, you know, like there's just really no coming back from it if if you don't if you are reactive. And that's where I think Urban Meyer, like if Urban Meyer had let go of Zach Smith in 2015, or honestly in 20, say like 2016, or even like just this spring or something, before these reports came out, he looks a lot better. Dude, and if he didn't, if he did not, again, provided that that's the outcome of this, if he had just told the truth at Big Ten Media Days, Maybe. I think it would have been tough to justify knowing that you had a domestic abuser on your team and didn't yeah, fire him I, right away. But the earlier still, you did it, the better. And the fact is, exactly. right now, he looks like he, it looks exactly like he only fired it because all of a sudden everyone found out. And that's, I, I mean. how quick it was. After yeah. the McMurphy story came out, it was within. Day of. Yeah. It was within an hour. <laughs> I mean, it was like, like a couple hours that he was fired. Yeah. And right away, so right away you scream it. It's screaming that there's more to this. When with such a swift reaction to a story, to me, I mean that just my instinct says there must be more there. If they're that quick to read, you know what I mean, off of a or McMurphy just hit it right on the money because right. his he had a he had some pretty accusatory things and like you know I know the 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 phrase I've come to hate the most is oh there's sides to every story. Yeah, technically there are, but a lot of times in these cases, if if these allegations come forward, uh, they are pretty accurate. And I think the fact that Smith was fired so quickly is pretty telling that he was onto something there. Um, and so anyway, what Brenda was saying was basically, in in today's age, you cannot be reactive and get away with it. You have to be proactive. You have to do this stuff uh, beforehand. That said, I guess moving forward. Uh, one question we got was like, "What would you do?" I don't think I don't think we got it for the show. It wasn't from one of our listeners, but it came up uh, on the radio this morning. And and what would you do if you were Urban Meyer right now? And what would you do if you're Ohio State right now? I know uh, one thing we talked about was if you're Urban Meyer and you think there is any evidence out there that that will come out that you knew about what was going on with Zach Smith. You probably have to say it right now. I mean, this is what we were just talking about. You can't like, you can't say, you can't come out and say there's no evidence that, and I didn't know, I didn't know it all, at all. And then all of a sudden, if you know Brett McMurphy or someone else, right? Because everyone's tuned in on this now. Yep. If if someone else finds a text message saying that you did know, uh, you are done. You're not even like, like it's not even like a, a shadow of the doubt. You you won't be coaching for for a while, if if ever again. And 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 so I'm, you know, again, right? Like you can kind of read between the lines. If he comes out and says and kind of confesses, uh, it probably does mean, well, obviously it does mean that he knew. But, you know, if he if he tries to push this under the rug, I don't know. I don't know. What would you do? If I were Urban Meyer, I would, I would probably own up to it, open up to it, and just kind of, I don't know, I guess hope something happens in my favor. Yeah. But but I'm cynical, right? <laughs> Right. No, I, I'm I'm pretty much on the – I think he has to 
again, I'm not trying to, it's not, uh, it's just a phrase, but try to hedge his bets. Yeah. A little bit. Um, just, I mean, are we at the point now where we're just referring to, you know, when I say hedge his bets, it's just for him to have the opportunity to coach again? I, I can't tell. I'm, I wasn't, yeah. I don't think, I don't think if, if he came out now and said, about you know that I knew this and that like I don't necessarily think that saves him at Ohio State necessarily I mean I think that would maybe still signal the end there it would just be a matter of you know saving face for your next stop possibly Um, so do you because I I was on the radio I didn't really read what what the I guess national perspective is because that's to me I mean you know I can hear whatever I hear from Ann Ar- people in Ann Arbor who don't think he's going to come out of this. He's not going to be right. the coach come November. Right. I Do you know, I mean, do you have a sense for like what people think? Cause I'm cynical. I kind of feel like they're going to try to find a way out of this and try to find a way to keep urban Meyer, the head coach. Do you know like what Ohio state people are thinking or what, what the national opinion is like, does he have a, what, what would a percent chance be that he is not, obviously we don't really know, but like, is is this talking like it when when we're talking safe face? Is this with Ohio State and the college football fans as the Ohio State head coach, or is this to ever coach and be in the public spotlight again? I don't know, man. I, I just I guess that's kind of the million dollar question to me. I'd have to assume. I mean, uh, Art Bryles just got a job today in Italy. Still, it's a job. It's a coaching job. I know that. Yeah, Italy, um, but it is a coaching job of something. So, and based on what the evidence I have seen, I think Art Bryles is much, much, much like he should not be around. I agree. Individuals no, I would at all? I would 100% like, agree. Like he that. just shouldn't. He he should be. I'm I'm surprised he's not in jail. I don't know. Uh, no, based <laughs> on I mean those that was much more damning evidence than anything we've seen so far on the Ohio, on this Ohio state right. front here. So, yeah. um, so I agree with you there a hundred percent. But yeah, I mean, that's a million dollar question. And then if you're Ohio state, I mean, I, I see this is just me. I just, you dig and dig and then you report what you have found to be the truth. And then you make your decision off of that. I mean, that's what you would hope anyway, is what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, it's really, it really should be the only option. There shouldn't be really. <laughs> You'd hope so, right? <laughs> uh, but you know, I don't know. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's just kind of a sticky, crappy situation. It all is. Around. It sucks. Um, so yeah. Um, we got a couple questions about it. Obviously, this is stuff that is probably premature as far as what can officially be discussed. Uh, a couple people asked about Ed Warner, who was an assistant in 2015 and 2016, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and. And we have no idea. There's no evidence that we have seen that he he knew anything. So as of right now, I don't think you know you can say what he sh- you know should or should not do. That said, and Steve, maybe you, maybe you agree, maybe you don't. If if there is evidence that comes out that he also knew about Zach Smith, I mean, he is under. It's not quite the same because he's not the head coach, but he is under the same legal obligation to report that to the police. And he is under the same legal obligation to, to do that. And that's you know this Title Nine. You know you have to report. I mean that's, that's everywhere. That's not you know some. It's not like some obscure law. Like that's like stated when you sign the contract 
to work for a public university. And I believe that's true for any employee at the school. So, so in that case, if there is evidence, I think he should be under pretty much the same under the same line of fire that Urban Meyer's under. That would be my stance. Uh, that said, you know, hate to assume anything of any of anyone without without the evidence. So, don't know what's what Ed Warner knew. Uh, do do believe that if he did know, it should be the same situation. Yeah, I'm just in a wait-and-see mode on that whole deal. Yeah. I mean, let's see what the head guy knew first before you start working your way down the chain. Right. I mean, wouldn't technically – wouldn't Tom Herman be he mixed would. up too in that? You he know? would. And like, then, you're, then you're getting into some really uh, major stuff. So I, I think – I just don't think that's a step you can take until – that's After fair. They yeah, yeah. What, yeah. You know, that's I guess that's just my approach on it. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like um, it's Meyer's program, so let's find out what he knew first, and then, uh, you know, and I, you'd, I guess you'd have to assume that in digging to find out what he what he knew, uh, that you will probably also find out what some of these other guys knew too. So, mm-hmm. um, as far as like if they did know. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd probably I'd be mostly inclined to agree with you. I think maybe a little bit of gray area, just in the idea that like, I don't know. Then you're getting into hypotheticals about you know, well, not pissing off your boss or not ruining your. I, I don't know. I it's just it a little bit of gray area, but I think I'm mostly inclined to agree. Yeah, with you I, I, you, you are right, and it is an important distinction, right? Like if if Urban knew. And told his employer employees this, and then also coupled it with a, you know, nobody says anything, or this never leaves. You know, there are some. I think there is a case to be made, uh, but but again, this is like getting into like a triple hypothetical here. So uh, probably probably going to wait and see. I imagine this will be discussed uh, on next week's podcast too. Uh, one other question we got about recruiting. You know, what does this do for Ohio State recruiting? Michigan and Ohio State are locked in a few recruiting battles. I'm, you know, we talked about this before the show. Kind of a, and by kind of, I mean very much too soon to tell. I mean, we don't, we don't know if Urban Meyer will be Ohio State's head coach next week. We don't know if he'll be cleared of everything next week. So it's, it's, it's too soon to tell. Uh, but as you said, it it sure doesn't help the Buckeyes on the recruiting trail right now. No, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, that's the answer is where things stand right now. It's not helping. And if if this happens where Myers let go, it's not going to help. That's it. There's no, like, unit of measurement that you can give to say this is what it's going to do or this is what is where it's at right now. It's just it's not going to help. Um, you know, so, like, the is it going to help with – does it help Michigan with prospect <laughs> Z? Yeah, yeah. If maybe it probably does, but I don't know how much. You know, and, I don't think uh, the the prospect knows how much. I, th- I mean, anyone perfect. who's in a battle with Michigan, Mi- Michigan, and Ohio State right now is probably going to wait and see before they decide how to move forward. Yes, and so, uh, yeah, I don't know. And if that's your first reaction to all this going on, then, oh, man, get a new hobby or something. You know, it's like I, I get – I mean, it's going to be 
it's going to be part of the process if if by chance he is let go. I mean, we're going to have to report on mm-hmm. the impact with X, Y, and Z. But until that happens, I mean, I'm not interested in it. Well, and, it's uh, just like that. It, like, if you have any sort of satisfaction in this story, like if you're like a Michigan fan and you're you're like, oh yeah, Urban Meyer's finally going down. Same, you know, like you said before, you probably need a different reaction. You probably need a different mindset. It's, I think, in a way, though, I just think that's like as bad as I just think that's like normal, you know, with like the way this stuff goes. Like, um, you know, it'd be same on the other side of the fence if the roles were reversed and it it was, it all popped up when the deal at Michigan State came to light. I mean, Mm. it's just, I just think it's, it's so normal now in the, in the sporting world is, and it is, it's pretty disappointing, but I just, it's never going to change. You know, I don't think so. People are there going to find some kind of, um, yeah, no, I mean, you're right, but let it be known that I, if you, if that is your reaction, Isaac Shaw do not like you. Yeah. (laughs) So, so there's your punishment, at least one, one punishment, but no, I mean, you know, I still like you, but I don't agree with you at all. How about that? Uh, Steve, That's you're you're too to kind. That. I don't like you if, if your first reaction to, to some of these things is, is okay, rivalry-based. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't like somebody. I'm just not a fan. We'll just say that. So, okay. Again, the recruiting stuff, if this follows through, yes, we'll report on it. Um, just, you know, again, if he's fired, just expect the answer to say, to be, yes, this probably helps Michigan and whoever else too. Yeah. You know? it's yeah. Just, that's the thing. Is it's not just a Michigan thing. I mean, you know, the, a, a a change of that magnitude to a program of that magnitude is going to have effects on a lot of different programs. How would it look if Nick Saban was no longer coach at Alabama? So that's right. that would be the kind of situation you'd be looking at. Pretty much there. I mean, it's it. That's you know. I mean, what's he? How many games has he even lost in the Big Ten? Four total. <laughs> no, I mean that's the thing. Like that—that's where this is like, um, you know, you know, I don't know. Seventy-three it, and yeah. eight. I mean that's insane. So yeah. uh, that's that's a huge. That's an earthquake in the within the conference, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean that's that's just massive. So, but couple, again, a couple steps early though. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, think we can probably table it for now. I'm sure. Yeah. Again, I'm sure. I doubt this thing is going to be non-news in a week. Uh, so, so we'll move on for now. Fall practice starts tomorrow or today, depending on which day you listen. It starts Friday, and and just announced uh, this afternoon, Michigan was ranked 14th in the coaches' poll. Real quick, are you are you good with 14? What do you think about that? I mean, the number. 14 is whatever. I just I don't think they should be the fifth ranked team in the Big Ten. I mean, I'm surprised to see Penn State ahead of both Michigan State and Michigan personally. But again, I, I just these polls are by and large worthless in my opinion. So yes, <laughs> yeah, I'm I mean, surprised I, I, Penn State is that high because I thought ESPN ESPN did the power rankings and they actually had Michigan ahead of Michigan State. They had Michigan 12, but they had Penn State eight. And it's, yeah, you know, the offensive line will be better. Trace McSorley's back. But they lost eight defensive starters, including several multi-year starters. I think Michigan fans understand how much, uh, how damaging isn't, that can be. Isn't it literally, aren't the five teams literally ranked in the order and they finished the conference last year? Isn't it? 
I mean, isn't wasn't that is correct? Wisconsin winning the West, yeah. So the Ohio State, Wisconsin were the top two. Technically, Ohio Northwestern was, was ahead of Michigan. Uh, well, but yeah, <laughs> I'm Northwestern wasn't ranked at all, were they? Well, they yeah. I mean, I didn't. No, I don't, I'm saying in this preseason poll, they didn't make it, right? No, they did not, and they didn't uh, make the power rankings either. I think they're around. They're in the twenty-five to thirty range, but without Justin Jackson, without. Uh, Godwin Iguod, I, I can't pronounce his last name. That safety, they, they lost a few players, and they don't know what's up with Clayton Thorson and whether he'll be ready in Week One. So, so I understand it, but yeah, I think I think they are kind of looking at Penn State and thinking, oh well, they'll just do the exact same thing. You know, I, I I'm curious to see what the AP poll says because I do think the AP poll uh, writers put a bit more thought into it. Coaches poll uh, is notoriously just kind of done by the PR staffs of the coaches that are selected to vote. So it's just kind of, you know, it's it's notorious for like they, everyone just kind of looks at the record and looks at what happened last week. And then that's it. They don't really look at the, the teams involved, but yes, they are worthless. Uh, personally, I think 14 is, is right about where I'd put them looking at some of the other teams. There wasn't, there wasn't anyone behind them except maybe USC who I would who I would have put ahead of Michigan like USC and Stanford I'm not quite sure what to make of them so USC's replacing Darnold aren't they Yeah but I mean you know how they recruit I, Yeah I know but I I feel like I feel like US I know they just what did they I know they were in the they've been in New Year's Day 6 bowls the last 2 years right Yeah I just feel like they've underachieved still uh, I know it's so weird they went 11 and 3 last year and I think almost everyone would say they they like underachieved I just I'm not I'm not sold on Clay. Yeah, at all. Like, yeah. Them and cause, yeah. yeah, them and Stanford. I know Stanford has Bryce Love coming back, and they they've got some some pieces in place. Uh, but but I'd probably I'd probably put Michigan somewhere between 13 and 15, depending on the research that I saw of USC and, and Stanford. Uh, I'd I'd put I, I them just, behind every all the other teams, uh, Michigan State okay. and Penn State. I think if I were predicting who's going to be the best, then I might put Michigan ahead because I, I there are certain reasons that I believe Michigan will be better. Uh, but right now, I I mean, Michigan State returns 19 starters. Penn State, I, you know, they've recruited well. It seems like they have replacements in place. You know, when I did the Big Ten Power Rankings a couple of month, months ago, I think I put Michigan fourth ahead of Penn State behind Michigan State but it was like for me it was like super razor thin so uh, I'm not I'm not sure what to make of Notre Dame either to be honest no same here um I I just yeah with USC man I don't know like you lose Darnold you're still on it (laughs) no I just like I, I guess I look at it and like you know if you give me if if Say SC's more talented. Let's just say that they're more talented, even without Darn. Let's just say they're more a little more talented than Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State. I'm taking all three of those Big Ten teams in a matchup against them. Yeah, like, yeah, you're probably right. I, like I, I, I just feel like Harbaugh, D'Antonio would coach circles around Clay Helton in a game matchup. I mean, and, and Meyer did the same thing last year. Um, you know, Penn State lost, but. Again, the the Rose Bowls to me is always just when it's SC, it's a home game and it's ridiculous. But um, not much you can do about that. So, um, and and even then, you know, that was a 
barn burner of a game. You know, SC had to scramble back. And that was really Darnold is the one that, who won them that game, really. So there you go. He was, what, the number two? What well, was he, three pick? I remember he was a, he's a, playing for the Jets now, but I remember he's a top five pick. Yeah, way, so. yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just – I just don't get that, man. Like, they're – just to have that amount of talent, and they should be winning the Pac-12 every year. Like, it shouldn't even be a contest with with who they are always throwing out there on their roster. I think but, they technically won the Pac-12 last year. I don't think so. I think Washington did. Uh, they? No, it was USC over Stanford because USC beat Stanford twice. Eh, Stanford was down last year. Um, and so was Washington. Didn't Washington went to the, what, Cotton? Well, no, I mean, I was just kind of joking because they didn't, they didn't win their oh. division. Yeah. Well, I think Washington's the heavy favorite to win this year, right? Yeah, yeah, they're they're in the top. They're number five. Yeah, no, they're going to be good. They're quietly. I feel the opposite about Washington than I do about USC. Gotcha. I mean, so, all right. <laughs> USC anyway. went eight and one in the Pac-12, and then they beat Stanford in the Pac-12 championship, and then they they got beat rather soundly by Ohio State in the in the Cotton Bowl. That was yeah, that was not even so, a game. Yeah, like Ohio State was had that from the in the bag from the beginning so um so yeah and then the Pac-12 was down last year so them going eight and one is not really impressive to me so yeah anyway so okay so Steve hates USC uh and and I think we're both I hate hate squandering talent it's not anything against oh I I meant like hating on USC I know I know you don't really care about the University of Southern California in general but so we think we think USC down, Penn State down, Michigan, Michigan State probably a hair up. Maybe a slight bump, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. Uh, and Notre Dame, I, I don't know. It's like it's like they they lose a lot, but they also return a lot because I think they return basically everyone on defense, but they lose those two offensive linemen along with their run game. So could be. Come on, Notre Dame. Yeah. Oh, they lose St. Brown. At receiver too. Yeah. Um, I feel like they lose their two best receivers. If I remember, right. I could be wrong on that. Um, but you know, they lose quite a bit. Again, they're kind of a mystify. Like that's kind of that's one of those things where that's where stuff like that that makes me feel like Michigan State and Michigan should both not be maybe even just a hair higher. They should just be higher. I mean, both those teams return so much. Yeah, um, thirty. 36 combined returning starters out of 44 between those two teams. Yeah. I mean, how is Penn State above both of those teams? You know, if you want to, if it was Michigan State that should be ahead of Penn State, fine. But I just, for both of those teams to be below Penn State, given what they lost, it's just mind boggling to me. But it's, again, that's talk about how worthless these are. And we just, yeah, I was going to say, you said you didn't care, and then you suddenly so. sounded like you cared. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, and this is, you know, I I love how people feel like commenting on, like I tweeted out that they were ranked and they were like, uh, you know, keep your head down and win it on the field. And it's like, okay, I'll, I'll pass that on to the team. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if they, if they beat three of the five, we talked about this last week, you know, if they come out and beat Notre Dame, well, guess who's going to be a top 10 team and guess who's going to be ranked ahead of Notre Dame. And then if they beat Michigan state in, in October, it's like, well, you know, they're not going to be the, they're not going to be 14th. They're going to be a little higher than that. So, right. Um, oh, I mean, it, 
you could argue, I mean, if they run, again, if, say, they win the first four, again, I'm, I'm not saying that's going to be the case, but let's say they win the first four of those five big games this year. How are you going to tell me that they won't be ranked number one in the country when they get to Columbus? Yeah, it'd only like, be if another team hadn't lost. I mean, come on, though. I mean, <laughs> no matter who, like, there's no team in the country that's going to play half of that schedule. You know, so I don't care if even Alabama's undefeated at that point. If you're going by, like, who these teams have played at that point in the season, I mean, I guess Bama would be the only program that you would have to consider. But if Michigan's undefeated going into Columbus, to me they should be number one in the country, hands down. But, um, you know. Yeah, it's well, probably, and the odds probably are... Be, probably, probably be Bama 1, Georgia 2, Michigan 3 at that point if they're all undefeated, just yeah. the way it sets up. So. Well, and the odds are high, however, that, that... I mean, I don't think there was any team undefeated other than UCF heading into the last week of last season. So, Agreed. So, Agreed. you know, again, if you win... If they win the games that they... That they that the, you know, they beat these top 12 teams, because there are five top 12 teams on Michigan's schedule, The this... This entire section of the podcast will be just completely irrelevant. So it probably will be completely irrelevant anyways. So anyway, uh, more relevant. They start fall camp, and and we'll talk about storylines in a moment. But we got a question from Joe C. And Joe C. wants to know, do you think Harbaugh not announcing the QB until week or day of the first game hurts or helps the QB's confidence? Uh, Thanks, guys. Enjoy listening. And... And he does this every year, right, Jim? He he's you know year one it made sense because you didn't actually know if Jake Rudock was concretely better than than the current ones. Year two they had to replace Jake Rudock, so it was going to be Wilton Spade or John O'Corn the transfer. And then year three it was kind of a little a little shaky because they had a returning starter, uh, but they were kind of looking to see if you know Brand- maybe Brandon Peters or maybe John O'Corn had had improved. Uh, this year it seems a little ridiculous to me. I mean, I I just can't fathom a scenario where a healthy Shea Patterson is the backup quarterback come week one. I don't know. Do you? I don't know what you think. And then in that sense, does does that kind of does that kind of make Harbaugh's decision to never announce it? Obviously, there's some strategic components to that. Do you think his decision to never announce it is good? or bad for the team. I know some players have talked about, I know Chase Winovich said he would like Jim to name it sooner because that will allow the offense to rally around their guy and allow the guy to get the number one reps more. I don't know. What do you, what do you think of Harbaugh's perpetual, uh, we won't know until the day before the game kind of deal? Uh, it's a little bit of a surprise to hear that from Chase, just because I know, at least I know in 16, the team was aware that Spate was going to be the guy, mm-hmm. not right away, but it definitely wasn't the day before the game or the week before the game. I think early in fall camp, they made it pretty clear. Uh, to so, quickly add to it, he this was at, in Chicago at Big Ten Media Days. I think someone said, said it in the spring, but I'd hate to attach it to someone's name without knowing for sure. Uh, he said that basically – even heading into that game against Florida, he said both quarterbacks are going to play. You know, the the battle isn't over. I, I And I don't know if he was saying that to be nice to John O'Corn, but Chase basically said, like, I think it's important for the quarterback because he, he played quarterback for a little bit in high school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he said, 
you know, he he said personally he would want to, if he was the starter or the backup, he would want to know sooner. Sure. So, sure. but you're right. I mean, the team the team is gonna. I I would be shocked if the team wasn't approaching this fall camp. Basically, saying yeah. Shea Patterson is the start. Like, like, is there any? I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be surprised. No, I think I again. Yeah, he'd have to be unhealthy. So, and by again, barring a major surprise in fall camp, uh, which isn't a bad thing as far as those other guys either. I mean, like we just posted yesterday. Like, I did in the chat. Which, by the way, anyone listening who participated, I appreciate it. It was a, I think I did. I answered 150 questions, which is insane. So that was awesome. Yeah, it was great. Actually, I always like it. The more, the better for me. I'll leave, I'll leave it up all day. If people are asking questions, like I don't care. Um, so, uh, was that pretty much one through four is solid right now. Not solid in order or pecking order, but just like that all four guys are, have come along. Mm -hmm. Um, and that both McCaffrey and Peters have, are better than what they were at this point last year. It was nice to see McCaffrey get some publicity because I've heard nothing but good things. I've about heard a lot of it factors too. Yeah, you might have told me was, a lot of it actually. That's, well, and that's what, but that was that's been the thing about him. You know, I remember him at the Elite Eleven camp, uh, where I don't know if it was Dilfer or whoever that had mentioned that he intangibly was one of the most impressive prospects they've ever had come through that camp since they've been doing it. And uh, which shouldn't be a surprise with his pedigree, where he's come from, you know, his family uh, shouldn't be a surprise. But again, that's why Michigan, he was their number one guy in 17, without a doubt, from the very from the get go. And uh, I always, I kind of for a while feel like he kind of got lost in the shuffle. Um, part of that's probably from us hyping up Milton a lot, which, again, they're very excited about him. Um, so I think with Peters playing last year, Patterson transferring in and Milton kind of being the. Uh, sky high potential true freshman. I think McCaffrey. Do you hear what Karan Higdon said about Milton last year? Yeah, yeah. That doesn't surprise. That did not surprise me at all to hear that. Uh, said it a thousand times now about the reaction I got when Milton committed. Oh yeah, we talked about even, this last week. I was gonna say we might even <laughs> talk about it last week. So uh, that is, right, but anyway, what I'm saying is like you know McCaffrey. I think kind of unfair, unfair was sort of lost in the shuffle a little bit. Um, as far as like where's he at here. And uh, I think he's got a legitimate chance to win the backup job for sure. Um, and again, that's nothing about Peter's not progressing or getting better. Uh, I just think, I think that's going to be a really, really interesting and tight race this season. Um, you know, so, so McCaffrey's emergence and for Harbaugh to bring it up publicly, I think is a uh, great news for the quarterback room as a whole. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it's just a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Another question we got, uh, there was a departure. I think this was, like, the most obvious departure I can remember. James wants to know what what was up with Kareem Walker. He's going to a community college in Kansas. Uh, and it was – the only reason it's interesting is because, you know, Michigan would post photos of Kareem Walker working out and they and Kareem Walker went on Instagram. He did like an Instagram Q and A a couple weeks ago and said, you know, he's still at Michigan. I, you know, because because we had kind of, I mean, Harbaugh said there were two skill position departures, and we had pretty much penciled those in as Kareem Walker and Kinkoa Crawford. 
Uh, is there any reason why it was delayed so long that it was announced or, or I, I don't know, any other things that fans should know about Kareem Walker? Uh, I mean, this was in the works for quite a while. Harbaugh speaking at Grand Valley and not mentioning Kareem in the depth chart was not a revelation to myself, at least. And I'm assuming at least a couple other people that were in I'm that pretty room. sure most based on being in some of these press conferences, I'm pretty sure everyone had kind of figured that right. one out. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. And it, so that wasn't like it when that came out, um, that it was some kind of, Oh wow. He didn't name cream Walker. You know, that's crazy. I thought he was, you know, so it's something that I mean, been hearing about for, I don't even know how long at this point. So, uh, for it to kind of finally come to fruition the way that it did. However, you know, like Harbaugh said, they're not going to publicly announce these transfers, right? It's on the, that person themselves to do it if they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with Crawford, I posted in the chat yesterday, I suspect we'll see a resolution to that situation in the near future. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, to talk about the cream. I mean, in my mind, he's been pretty much gone since. I mean, I know he participated in spring ball, but it was it was just had it's been headed this way for a really long time. So, um, best luck to him, though. Obviously, I mean, he was a nice kid when I covered him. I didn't really cover him too heavily because uh, it was a hotly re- contested recruitment late. So those kind of get handed off to our national guys. They kind of take care of all that. So. Um, but seemed like a good kid when I covered him, uh, you know, and so hopefully he can figure it out. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, top not a five star though. You know, the, the whole, uh, five star cursed like Michigan running. I mean, he was not a five star by any, I don't know if rivals had him as a five star, I guess, by the time he signed, I know we didn't, mm-hmm. uh, he was barely, he had almost lost his fourth star. Uh, by the end of the process, Hmm, 24-7. Yeah, I mean, he was very underwhelming at the Under Armour game. I think the consensus from Barton and, I mean, myself too, as as little input as I have on that, was that his junior film was better than his senior film for whatever reason. And, uh, yeah, I mean, not a guy that it's – I mean, I guess it's – I don't know. I hate using busts. I don't think it's really – I don't know. It's just kind of a strong term uh, to apply to a kid, um, but not as big of like a unsuccessful go around, I guess, as uh, people may be making it out to be. Um, for context, we, for con- real quick, uh, he was ranked 107th in the composite, but 24 right. 7 had him 328th. Okay, so he, I'll bet, I'll bet that rivals probably had him as a five star then like because the for such a difference in the composite i mean to be almost a a top 100 in the composite must mean that they must have kept him really high so um there's no other explanation unless well i guess scout still existed at that point so they may have also had him really high too Mm -hmm. so it's hard to say i just know that um barton steve wilfong after the under armor game luke stampini uh after the under armor game were very bearish on on him compared to the other backs in attendance there and you know so happened with Derek Green too. Rivals had Derek him Green. as the number one running back 
24-7 had as, as the, like, 14th best. Yeah, but we still had him. Top 100, high. yeah. Yeah, he was still pretty high overall, but, um, but yeah, uh, you know, there's been, that's kind of the thing is, like, I know the guys, that, I mean, Brian and Ace, like, jokingly about Charbonnet getting moved up, like, keep him below 51, um, <laughs> you know, as far, but there are, like, these are the types of people I just don't really understand, like, people that literally feel like you know, if he's a five-star at Michigan, he's going to bust. Uh, it just makes zero sense. Um, it's just they've just had a couple bad breaks there. That's really what it comes It's not some curse. Probably the same type of people that, you know, would would curse you if you said that a guy was pitching a no-hitter through seven because you're not supposed to say that a guy yeah. Yeah. a no-hitter through seven because you're going to ruin it. Right. You know, probably those type of people that, like, say things like that. So, um but anyway, yeah, no, that's but that was a kind of like old news that you were waiting. You're just kind of waiting to go public. It's not good form to um, to you kind of. It's one of like like with Harbaugh with like him saying what to let the kids do it on let them announce it if they wanted to announce it. I mean that's the way we've always approached it. Uh, we can opine on it a little bit, but I just I've never taken the approach of like being direct about hey I think this guy's the guy's going to transfer. You know, because it's, it's their deal. It's not much different than a guy committing. You know, but as far as, well, it's a little bit different because we're opining on where a kid's going to commit before he does it a little more directly. But uh, it's just one of those things where it's not something I like to publicize before somebody does it, I guess. Yeah, I no, that makes sense. It's not, yeah. it's not worth the minimal extra insider points to, <laughs> you know, if I just posted – a couple months ago that Kareem Walker was going to leave the program. Like, it's just, that's not worth it to me. No. So. I mean, it's just, it's honestly just kind of a rude thing to do. I mean, that's you know, it depends I, on the situation. You know, like, you don't want to, like, always do whatever the player wants, but there is, like, a general decency, like, hey, this really I obviously agree. didn't work out. You know, they're let, they're letting you practice with the team still, so clearly there's, you know, it's not a, it's not a, disaster exit it's just a cordial like hey it's you're just gonna move on kind of the firm handshake deal no reason to make it anything more uh so anyway other storylines that that you know again being so premeditated there was there weren't a lot of uh, it doesn't really change spring or fall camp at all uh other storylines though uh position battles are obviously a big one um i'm i'm i you know i had this debate uh yesterday on the radio show and and there really aren't that many spots that I would consider no. wide open. I think, nope. you know, the the because I, I think Michael Dwumfor is pretty much, I think they've put it in pen uh, in a lot of ways that he'll be the, the replacement for Mo Hurst. I think, uh, you know, I did a story this week with uh, Ed Warner talking about the left tackle battle. And based on what he said, it kind of sounds like the experienced guys have a healthy lead and it will be on, I mean, the onus will be on Hudson, Stuber, and uh, maybe Jalen Mayfield to to kind of overcome that. And, and that can be tricky, you know, because there's a lot to, you know, pre-snap reads, reading what the defense is going to do, making adjustments, uh, working in cohesion with, with other experienced linemen. So that one, you know, I think that one will be open, but not quite that open. Uh, you know, safety, I think, is one of those ones where if someone 
comes in and just looks better, they'll they'll play him. But they do have retur- two returning starters at safety. Yeah, and quarterback. We just talked about quarterback. I mean, it's it's probably Patterson's job. Uh, unless, unless, you know, I think the the phrase that's been thrown around is unless something weird happens, it's Patterson's job. And then, uh, you know, number three running back is an interesting one. I think that that might honestly be the most interesting position battle on the team, and it's not even a starting job. The other one that I would think of is third linebacker. But all in all, I mean, you know, position battles are always like the the, the story people seem to be most interested in. Not not a not a lot of those this year. No, I think the battles will be more too deep mm-hmm. on the too deep than anything else. Like, you know, how does uh well I think, you know, and, and Sam did a lot of really good interviews with uh some of the assistant coaches and the one that popped up that was interesting to me was the battle at right guard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Three now, three person battle, apparently. Yeah. Uh I, I would I would say it's Spinellis and Wainu. Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if anybody else, if 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 Filiaga beat both of those guys. I was um, surprised Filiaga got mentioned. Ah, uh, you were? You were not? No, not necessarily. I mean, he was really good. I know last fall camp, he was really impressive, uh, spelling Bredesen at left guard. Mm-hmm. I think that's where he's going to play eventually. Left. I think he'll eventually be their left guard. Yeah, okay. I think that's where he's going to end up eventually. I could be wrong there, but it just—I know he was really impressive there uh, last year. Have to assume that's continued. Didn't ask as much about him this year so far, but um, so no, I wasn't shocked to hear that. But the other thing too that I wasn't—it was like—it's just a surprise because I think people have just kind of penciled Mike into the right. We sure right did. Guard spot. But Spinellis yeah, no. looked real good in the Outback Bowl, and we kind of mentioned in the off season, like there's probably he's probably going to be that sixth man that's going to be right there 100%. if someone struggles. And that's you know, and I think, and that's where I say, uh, I wouldn't even say if someone struggles as much as like I just think that he was destined. His he's kind of had a steady progression. Uh, the coaches love him. I think he's a cerebral guy. Uh, but he's also one of the stronger players on the team. At least I know he was when he got to campus. He is uh, one of the top five smartest and strongest players on Michigan's right, football not, team. Yeah. yeah, that's so good combo for an offensive lineman. <laughs> and, uh, when and he shed so 30 pounds since he came. Right. Well, so. he was a big pizza. Still, I, still, I think I still have that file. On my computer, when he was in high school, he did this pizza-eating contest, and he won. And his mom took this like, uh, this thirty-second video of him like after he had gotten done eating the pizza, and he just got pizza sauce all over, like just the most offensive lineman thing I think I've ever seen. <laughs> um, you know, but he won. But anyway, he was a like a master pizza eater or something. So anyway, um, but I'm not surprised to see him as as a potential contributor or a potential starter it's not a surprise to see that he's pushing somebody so and it wasn't going to be Bredesen I think Ben uh I think Ben will be the best offensive lineman on the team this year Harbaugh said that too he thinks he thinks Bredesen and Winovich Winovich he was asked about breakout players this season he's like well I'd like it to be a quarterback but 
if I'm really picking someone who I think will be a star on offense this year, it's going to be Ben Bredesen. Yeah, Ben's been on the verge for a while. Um, I think he really takes off. I think between between uh, him and Ruiz, they're going to have two of the better linemen in the conference up front. You know, the question is, as again, as we've talked about a billion times, it's going to be a tackle, right? So, because I think whoever wins that right guard job will be effective too, for sure. Uh, with Mike still, in my opinion, holding the higher ceiling at the end of the day, just because of his his sheer size and power uh, at, you know, and, and a pretty quick for his size too. So the interior again should be strong, but yeah, I think Ben's ready to kind of take that next step. And, uh, you know, Cesar's a guy I predicted him to be a four-year starter for Michigan before he even verbally committed to Michigan during his recruitment. Hmm. So not a guy that I'm one iota surprised about, um, well, and you've so, heard Ed Warner talk about him. I mean, saying he's no, he's, he's had two centers at, when he was at Ohio State that went on to be starters their rookie season in the NFL, and he said Cesar Ruiz is right on that track. Oh yeah, no so, doubt. I mean, yeah. he was one of the he was one of the easiest. Like the his career is progressing almost exactly the way I would have expected it. And I'm, I'm no, I'm not the only one or even close to the only one that believed that, but he was just, he was as close to a no doubter as I've seen, not saying he was like the best player or the most talent talented. I mean, he's up there, but just a guy that you just, just knew uh, that, that, that this is the way it was going to end up for him. So I think he's going to have a great year this year. Um, and a great career before is all before all is said and done in Michigan. So mm-hmm. not a surprise. Like those revelations from Warner on him are not a surprise to me at all. Um, but yeah, to me, going back to the battles, yeah, I mean, I just think it's a too deep deal. Uh, could see Hudson push at left a little bit. I mean, had some glowing much, praise about him. Right. Yeah. You know, it sounds like Harbaugh pretty much penciled Runyon in at right. Um, again. Not all these guys walk in and figure it out right away. You know, I know Runyon's been here for a little bit. I don't necessarily think that means that, uh, like, he could still be very good. I don't, th- you know what I mean? It's not a deal where it's like, oh, well, he didn't become a stud in his first two years on campus, so his ceiling is now limited and he's never going to figure it out. Um, a guy like Runyon is kind of like, well, kind of what Warner is known for. I mean, that's what he did at Ohio state when they won the national championship is kind of jump started the careers of a few guys, a couple guys that switched positions and uh, you know, just kind of a makeshift group and turned it into a, a powerhouse, you know, and I think he's got strictly talent speaking. There's a lot of talent up there. So, um, so yeah, defensively though. Yeah. Besides the, what the will, Spot yeah, and may, maybe, maybe safety. I still think it's going to be Tyree and uh, Metellus, yeah. probably. Um, but besides that, it's just yeah, it's just Will, and then otherwise all the battles are, you know, maybe at third cornerback. Which again, I'd be surprised if it wasn't Avery Thomas, though. Um, you know, I don't know. Besides that, yeah, it's more about who's going to emerge at that second unit. Um, yeah. So. Not what bad. other? I mean, if you're if you're Michigan, you're that's 
No, that's probably your ideal situation, right? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. What what other storylines, wrapping up this this show, what other storylines, at least in the first week, because we'll we'll have these every week, uh, what other storylines are you looking at as something fans should keep an eye on? I think... I think there'll be availability either Monday or Tuesday where the media will get to talk to a couple players and maybe an assistant. Uh, but in that first week, what sort of things should fans look for as far as key storylines? I mean, to me, it's just, again, special teams, special teams, special teams. Like, you know, I, I think one of it, it one of the questions I would ask, not special teams related, like something I've, and it's going to be in my, I still haven't done my, my 10 questions uh, for the season or at this point in the season. But one of the things I've still, and it happened again last year to an extent is like, there's this, this weird thing about, you know, Don Brown defenses are incredible at tackles for loss and putting teams in horrible situations on third down but they're he's historically they've never forced a ton of turnovers. Like it's yeah. a weird, you would think as many tackles for a loss as they create, particularly like sacks, like how many, did they lead the country in sacks? They were 16? top five. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and that you would think that that'd be a recipe for a billion turnovers, but for some reason it's, and again, you go back even when he was at Boston college, like there's just this weird, I think a couple of years he was near the top, in turnovers force, but for as many times as they're at the top for tackles for loss, sacks, all those negative yardage related statistics, uh, the turnover production isn't really there. And I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know why. Is it just a bunch of unluck? Well, I, I can't speak to Boston College. But I do think last year, and I've I've thrown this stat on this podcast before about you know the the average quarterback rating for for Michigan uh, facing like Michigan's opponents was like 80th in the country last year, and, and whereas the actual overall offense was 51st, they played a lot of teams that were going to run, 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 especially against a team with with lockdown corners. So I think this year with with a little bit. I think there's a better quarterback slate on the schedule this year. I think there'll be a little bit more like they're going to target uh, Lavert Hill more than twice a game. They're going to target David Long more than three and a half times a game. So I think I think that could lead to more. But it is really fascinating because we heard about it in 2015 too. You know, we heard about how much DJ Durkin's new defense was forcing turnovers, and then it didn't really. They didn't really do that much. They didn't really force a ton of turnovers. Uh, and so you, yeah, it's, don't you kind of. Don't you kind of feel like just straight up odds or just the law of averages that Michigan's do for a season where they do have like a great turnover margin? I mean, and this would kind of be the type of year where you could see that would bring bringing back a lot of experience and a, and a huge upgrade at quarterback. Uh, I feel like the recipe is there for them to win the turnover battle much more often than not. And against some good opponents, finally, you know, like, um, you know, I, I don't know. As like, did they force a turnover against Ohio State last year? No, they didn't. They lost right? the turnover yeah. battle, one nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, on the pivotal play of the game. So <laughs> yeah, you know, 
So, and so it's like, you know, I feel like a, to an extent with the experience they're bringing back, the aggressiveness they play with, I just, you know, but it's, it is, it's been interesting to me to see just that at the, you know, I know they're going to turn the ball over a lot last year offensively just because of the poor quarterback play and just the experience and stuff. That's fine. But just the sheer number of turnovers they've produced on defense doesn't seem to correlate with the statistics that they're putting up everywhere else across the board. I mean, you go back to those past defense statistics last year. I feel like there should be a few more picks. Number one defense in passing yards allowed per game. Seventh, by the way, in sacks. Uh, yeah, I, last year? Yeah, and 81st yeah. in turnovers forced. That's that's crazy. You know, and now I don't know what the number was in 16, but I feel like it was a deal where they really didn't have a great turnover margin in 16 either. Um, you know, it's just to me, so it's just kind of weird. I would just, I'd be, because you know he'd give you a great answer. Uh, I'd be curious to hear if, if Don Brown has any thoughts on it or if he just kind of sees it as a, Hey, you know, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. That's probably what he'd say, actually. That's probably the camp I would sit in too if I were him. No, because it works. Yeah, no reason to change. Like you know, because again, a lot of times, not saying turnovers are luck, but at least with fumbles, though, you can force a ton of fumbles and maybe not recover so many of them for whatever reason. Because if you can work in orchestra as a defense, you know, a three and out that takes a minute off the clock and forces a punt in November weather, I mean, that might as well be as good as a pick. Agreed. Okay. You know, and it's it's so more likely you do it. Yeah. They're probably good as good for, well, well, the Michigan State game, how many three and outs did they force in the second half to get the offense? <laughs> well, no, but I mean, it, it, it makes sense what you're saying yeah. to where technically they lost the turnover margin five to zip in that game. But at the same time, you know, Michigan State had about six nothing burgers. Yeah. You know, for drives in the second half and then, Michigan, you know, it's just like you said, you you take a minute or so off the clock and don't gain any yardage. Yeah, you might as well. I guess it's akin to a half turnover at least, you know. Mm-hmm. So well, and then um, you don't have Lavert Hill. You know, I, I think you know, I'm sure Zordich has been telling these cornerbacks like, hey, an incompletion will always be better than a completion. You know, even if there's a chance you get an interception. You know, just get your hand up. Don't don't worry about the pick. Worry about the the play. You think he would have said that to Jordan Lewis in the Wisconsin game that he should have just batted that ball down? Well, obviously, kind of an exceptional player can make an exceptional play. But Jordan Lewis, right? This is the the him and Jabril Peppers. Ask them. You know what they think about interceptions because Jordan Lewis set the school record with with twenty one pass breakups in twenty fifteen, if I recall correctly, and. And I don't think he had that many picks, so he actually got left off some of those like end of season awards. And and asked Jabril Peppers how much he cares about interceptions because there was literally a Twitter account with thousands of followers saying that was like an Ohio State fan basically saying, "Does Jabril Peppers have a pick yet?" And like every day they would tweet no until he finally did get one against Ohio State. But like one career interception for an electric defensive player like that, you know, it's and and he had. He had like twenty pass breakups in his career too, so, so I don't know. I'm I based on the numbers because you're right. Like it doesn't make sense that they can be top ten in so many categories and not force turnovers. Uh, I I do I would be curious about the fumble thing because there is that deal where, um, d- you're supposed to only recover about fifty percent of the fumbles that occur. Right. And oh, I bet, guarantee you their percentage is lower than that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Doesn't feel like they ever get a bump, recover fumble. <laughs> you get, going, again, going back to Michigan State last year, when Michigan State, I know Lewerke fumbled at least once where the ball just bounced right back into his hands, you know, and, and, and you know, it just feels like that they've not had what we would call good fumble luck uh, the last couple of years, you know. And yeah. So, yeah, I think that's – By the way, yeah. props. I just saw that you wrote an article about Michigan talking less, doing more, and talking less. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate that. That made me laugh. So glad to know that they're uh, doing more and saying less this year. Yeah, do more, say make... less, do more, say less. It was really this, the entire story was just me copy and pasting "do more, say less" in all caps, and then right. Just and one of the comments on the board is less tweeting and work harder, as if. Like a tweet in June would be the reason player X misses the big play in the big game in November. Yeah. It's unfortunate because, you know, I wrote this based on what the player said. I didn't say, like, oh, you know, I know. I, I'm just, but, just giving you a hard time. Oh, no, I know. But, like, I think people are going to interpret it as if, like, you know, they weren't, they weren't working hard last year. No, this is just more of a, like, right. like, I think. I wasn't able to articulate this well in the article, but like basically the players are trying to avoid rationalizing or talking themselves into being better than they are. Like it's more like internal talk and like, cause you can do that. You can say like, you know, if you're Chase Winovich, you can be like, Oh, well I'm on pace to set the sacks record. So I'm doing my part. And like the offense can be like, Oh, well, you know, uh, uh, we just need to build our chemistry. It's like, you know, instead of saying that, you know, there is something there's I think the team felt there was an element of players talking themselves into thinking the team was better than it was last year before things went south, obviously. Uh so that's so that's a storyline to watch. Is it seems like, you know, I don't know, you know, what your memories are of covering them when they were recruits, but like Chase Winovich, Rashawn Gary, Chris Evans, Karan Higdon, uh Tyree Kinnell, you know, Lavert Hill, uh Devin Bush. Khalil Hudson. I mean, they're they're very no nonsense group, and I guess you could. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. I might have na- no, named. No, they them. were they they were all like like every guy you just named. In my opinion, maybe it's because we just I covered a lot of them so closely. They were all like just wildly different people from each other. Like of those of all those guys you named, I mean, probably. <laughs> I might have made the list too long. Uh, that could be no, fair. But like <laughs> Hudson and Gary, probably like. Definitely like no nonsense type guys. Lavert was just like probably top three quietest kids I've ever covered. Chase is just weird. Um, Chase is weird. He's yeah. like too then, honest. He's too no, open. I, yeah, and uh, <laughs> but it's fine though. I mean, he's oh man. I don't know if I ever told the story about when he was in high school. I was like, this is a funny story. I always share. I don't know if I ever said it on the podcast, but when he committed to Michigan. Um, I had shot him a message to try to set up a time to talk to him. And my thing with the getting the interview is like, I'm, I'm not going to like, I don't really care if, especially if after a kid commits, like if you do it right away, that's fine. If not, it's not a big deal. I'm not going to like pester you until you pick up your phone or anything like that, you know, do it on your own time. And so I just texted him and said, Hey, do an interview uh, whenever it's convenient for you, just let me know when you can talk. would like to hear your reaction to your commitment or whatever. 
So he texts me. This is like on a, just a random. This is like a regular day. It's like a Thursday at like seven or something. Texts me the next day, the next night, and says, or no, it wasn't. No, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Responds and says, this is like five or six days later. Texts me and says, it is like at, this is at, mind you, this is at like a Tuesday morning at like 3.45. So this is the initial response to me saying, hey, whenever you're available to do an interview about your commitment, let me know. Text me at 3.45 in the morning on like a Tuesday and says, hey, uh, could we talk at 8.45 on Friday night? And I'm like, yeah, like, but just <laughs> that like sums him up, like, who responds on Tuesday on a Tuesday uh, what high school kid mind you responds at 3:45 on a Tuesday morning um you know he's just always been marches to a different beat i guess he I mean absolutely that most, that's a good way to describe I mean it yeah. pos- i mean that in the most positive way possible cuz he's definitely one of the most enjoyable uh people that i've ever come across since i've been doing this so i uh, think i should not have said no nonsense I, I'm well, but, I'm there, si- but he is, no, I think he is at the end of the day, though. He just, it's just not as like up in your face about it. Mm-hmm. No, he's no nonsense at the end of the day. Oh, when I characterize them all, though, I think I meant more of a, I really think that this group is going to hold players accountable. They seem very serious. And I got this sense from Karan and Tyree, and I think anyone who's ever talked to Rashawn Gary, uh, there's a little bit of fear, right? You know, he's just that serious about things. Uh, in interviews, you know, outside, of, he might, you know, I think he's more of a fun-loving guy, but it seems like this is a group that's very serious. And so I, I'll be curious to see, to hear things like, I mean, the other storyline I had was like who who made the most out of their summer because, you know, the coaches are obviously made aware of what's going on through this channel, that channel, but it is it is a chance where you can, well, you can you can spend too much time in the, in the dorm cafeterias or at the training table, or you could spend, you know, too much or or just enough time in the weight room. So a lot of different, you know, that's always interesting to see who shows up looking better than expected or worse than expected. Uh, But the one I was thinking of is the locker room culture. I don't, I'm not in the locker room. I won't pretend like I know what, what happened in previous years. It just seems like the group that is becoming juniors and seniors is, has the mix of talent and determination to really set a nice locker room precedent for the year. And so, so the be, guys, a lot of the guys that he rec- that Harbaugh recruited. Exactly. You know, the, they're Harbaugh recruits. I don't think Brady Hoke was recruiting nonsense guys, right? <laughs> but but right. but I think there's something to be said, you know, like Rashawn Gary, I mean there's videos of him at you know with with volunteering at a team camp and chewing out some 15-year-old for taking a snap off. You know, and Chris Evans, there's there's stories of him as as a as a youth head coach. He's obviously great with the kids. He's not he's not a jerk, but he's like very very like competitively strung. And so I, I agree. Yeah. No, because yeah, Brady Hill definitely. Re- I mean, it'd be unfair to guys like Jake Butt and yeah. Chris Wormley and those guys. You know, like those are guys that obviously. I just uh, think this is a high total, and it's and it's the right mix right. of like they're proving it on the field and they're proving it off the field. Yeah. I just can you imagine like actually thinking like tweet less, like work harder, like just, <laughs> like this is so dumb. 
like, yeah. just give me a break, man. Like, whatever. So, yeah, but thank you for writing that article. Long story short, I got a, I chuckled out of that. But it's a great article, though. You should read it if you haven't read it. Yet. There you go. Good save. Good save. I'm not mad at you anymore. Anyway, that's going to that's gonna do it for this week's podcast. Next week, I'm sure we'll have a little bit more on, on Fall Camp, uh, probably a little bit more on Urban Meyer. Uh, obviously, we can answer your questions as well. Um, yeah, that's it. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com and 247sports.com. For Steve Lorenz on the phone lines, I'm Zach Shaw. Thank you for listening. Hope you have fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.